Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Masonian Marshall, The Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journey of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And this is Sarah Masoni, the woman with the million-dollar palette, coming to you from Oregon State University College of Agricultural Sciences Food Innovation Center in Portland, Oregon. And Sarah is not in Portland, Oregon. I'm not. I am on the road, spending lots of time in California. I went from the Farmer's Market Conference in San Diego and came home to do the um, Portland Farmer's Market and then hit the road to drive to Palm Springs for Alt Summit Conference. And that's where I am now. I'm in Palm Springs. It's beautiful. It's sunny. The weather was great. And I'm just all over the place. <laughs> you are. And that's amazing what you've gotten done in the last two weeks. In fact, we've both been super busy. Some yeah, of my... how... Go ahead. Tell me how the chocolate festival was. The chocolate, chocolate festival judging. was so fun. I got to know Ashland a little bit better. We had a great meal at the Springs Hotel downtown and we got to stay at the Ashland Hills Hotel um, just outside of Ashland and we just had a really nice time. My husband went through the whole show and I think he spent like a couple hundred dollars on delicious chocolate. So um, maybe think about going next year, same time of year, first, like first weekend of March or so. And they have a, a lovely arrangement there with um, classes and lots of chocolate for tasting and buying. That's so fun. Um, did you also go to Expo West? Did I see that you were there? Yeah, I spent uh, four days at Expo West. I walked the shows um, with friends and saw lots of our food pals there. It was great fun. That's so cool. I've the never been. Thing. It rained there on Friday, which was super weird because it's kind of an indoor-outdoor sort of experience. And they have over 100,000 attendees and 3,000 vendor booths for you to walk through. That's wild. That's a lot of booths. wild. I didn't even get to all the booths. Did you have a good time? Yeah. Could you imagine if you ate something at every one of those booths? You would have eaten 3,000 bites of food in <laughs> four days. You couldn't possibly do it. No There's wonder my jeans are tight. <laughs> <laughs> I probably ate 1,000 bites of food. That's pretty funny. That's so fun. <clears throat> well, Sarah, any other announcements you have to make of uh, I guess I'd just like to say some of the trends that I saw at the sure. Expo West. Every I like 20% of the booths there were pink. I would say if you're making a booth for a trade show, don't make it pink. You think that's um, too trendy. Yeah. If you're thinking about starting a vegetarian fake meat company, 
don't do chicken nuggets. There are a lot there's of, a lot of there's a lot and it's oversaturated and not so good. And I would say that there were quite a few seaweed snacks and mushroom based products. So it was all kind of fun. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm so glad yeah. you got to go. Someday maybe we'll go together and walk the show. I'm gonna plan on going again next year. So cool. I'd like to check it out. Yeah. It's super fun. Well, we want to thank our sponsor, Market of Choice. So we have a few words from them. Sarah, take it away. Market of Choice is the proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs. So much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that we help them succeed in. Thank you, Market of Choice. We love you. Thanks, Market of Choice. We really appreciate you sponsoring our podcast so we can tell all these wonderful stories. So speaking of... We are joined in the studio today by Amanda Martinez. She is the executive director of Thimbleberry Collective Farm. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We're glad that you could join us today. We always like to have our guests be able to find you and the collective on Instagram. So can you tell us how to do that? And then also your website, please. Sure. Yep. Our handle on Instagram is just Thimbleberry Collaborative Farm. And our website is also just thimbleberrycollaborativefarm.org. Okay. So can you tell us how the farm came up with that name? Sure. Yeah, that was a fun process. Um, It was about a year and a half ago. um, The new founding committee members and I were thinking about what we wanted our our farm to be. And we were talking about how we wanted it to really be rooted in the community and uh, to grow from our existing connections um, in East Multnomah County. And we, we thought it'd be really cool to incorporate, um, a, you know, a plant that grows in the Pacific Northwest, something tasty. Uh, so someone threw out thimbleberry and we really liked that because it's so tasty. I don't know if you've ever eaten one out on a hike, but they're kind of like, I have no, I have no idea what a thimbleberry is. (laughs) Okay. Guessing it would fit on the end of your finger. Exactly. It fits on the end of your finger like a thimble, um, kind of like a raspberry, a little bit more tart, um, but they're delicious hiking snacks. So look out for them next time you're out in the woods. Um, And we liked the symbolism of the way that thimbleberries grow. Uh, They actually kind of expand through their roots um, and, um, you know, new thimbleberries will will pop up where their roots grow. So we like that symbolism of how we want want to, you know, um, grow through our roots in the community and just be, um, you know, a, a farm for those who live in East Multnomah County, uh, kind of by and for the community. Well, I just Googled Thimbleberry. <laughs> so I can see an image. And, you know, I grew up on Mount Hood and I do recognize these, although we called them salmon berries. Mm. Those are actually different. The salmon berries are um, more orangey They're more- color. Yeah, Um, they're more orange, but I think I always called these salmon berries as well. Like I just called them both salmon berries as a kid. (laughs) Now I know these are thimble berries and I've had it all wrong this whole time. (laughs) It was an imposter berry. (laughs) Yeah, an imposter, but now I'll call it by the right thing. Thanks for setting me straight. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, tell us about the things that you grow and if you make anything at the collaborative. Sure. I should also mention that is an important part of our name too, collaborative. We're not actually a collective or a collaborative. We're a single farm, at, at least for right now. Mm. Um, but we felt it was important to include the word collaborative in our name because that's exactly what we intend to do. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful uh, organizations in East Multnomah County that have been serving um, the, the community for a lot longer than we have since we just got started uh, basically last year. Um, and we, we like to collaborate on, uh, different workshops and, you know, uh, field trip opportunities. Um, right now we're collaborating to try to, um, partner on a CSA with a, uh, a local medical office. So just wanted to mention that, but, um, we grow mixed veggies mostly, and actually starting this year, we'll, we'll start to grow fruits as well. Um, we just planted some thimbleberries and some other <laughs> native plants in our learning garden. So we're excited about that. Um, but yeah, we, we grow lots and lots of different mixed veggies that, um, that grow well in Oregon. So I'm most excited this year for eggplants and tomatoes and peppers, kind of those heat loving plants, um, because we didn't get to do any of those last year since we got started too late in the uh, season, like a lot of other farmers, actually. So you're currently on a half acre, but it sounds like you're moving somewhere larger. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. We started on a half acre at Headwaters Farm, um, which is out uh, past Gresham or on the outskirts of Gresham. And we are in the process of moving to a five acre property in Boring. So just about 10 minutes away from the, the half acre spot. Um, so can you grow very much on a half acre? Sarah Marshall, how big is your yard? Is it a half acre? It's a quarter acre and it's mostly hilly, so it's hard. But I think, I mean, half acre, you can grow a lot of stuff. And Sarah Missoni, have you ever been out to Headwaters Farm? Not yet. I think I'm going to have to go. It's so cool. So, you know, we've tried to support a lot of the farmers that have been out there because they're usually new farmers. Oh. And so they don't always have like an established um, customer yet. So okay. even though they're growing all different things for farmer's markets. Someone like me can really help them out because mm -hmm. maybe they grow too many peppers oh, or too many okay. tomatillos or too many whatever, and they can't sell them at market because they're usually trying to sell them, you know, direct because okay. they're small farms. Um, but then I'll, I'll usually, you know, buy things from them. And so um, in and fill your freezer. Yeah. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah. Originally Abundant Field Farms was, was there and I bought a lot of stuff from them. And then um, Nikki, who was my old market manager, has had a couple different farm names from that um, Storybook Farm. And But there's been so many wonderful people from there. And so I think it's a really fun um, place. I'm That's sure cool. you guys have yeah. had a good time there. But then they eventually have to move off the space mm -hmm. and start their own farms. And so oh, um, I'm glad so this space to move wait, to. This is in North East Multnomah County. Is that correct? It's like outside it's of like I a mean, flex area. You mean somebody yeah. can come and use it for a while and then someone else comes in later? Yeah, so it's like an incubator program for farmers, although we're not in the official incubator program. Um, that's usually oh. a five-year program for, yeah, for farmers. Wait, and, what is that? What is that called? Um, just an, as far as I know, they call it a farmer incubator program huh. um, at Headwaters Farm. It's all run by East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. Um, cool. And like Sarah was saying, there are some great 
farmers out there. Nikki is awesome. You mentioned Nikki. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been great to, you know, get to know some of the other farmers there. Um, They were just nice enough to let us use some extra space, though, even though we're not in the the incubator program so that's why our turnaround is a little bit tighter you know we we had one season there it'll end up being one and a half because we're we'll go until the end of july there this year but then we're making our transition over to the other property that's cool it's great that they let you do that i think it's a really nice way for people to get their start i kind of think of it as like a shared commercial kitchen but for farmers instead of people like me and so you can sign on that five-year program or sometimes they'll let other people just they'll be like we have the space so you can use it for a little bit and then it helps you to get your start which is really cool amanda can we ask you a little bit about your background i read on the website that you were raised on a family farm with pigs chickens ducks goats and more that's right yeah um i grew up on the outskirts of san jose california and um we had just a little bit of land so we we just accumulated a bunch of pets really. Um, and a lot of them ended up being farm animals. Um, but we loved it. We, you know, raised a bunch of chickens. Um, and sometimes we would have goats or pigs. Um, at one point we had ponies, um, we were just kind of taking care of them for somebody else. And, um, that was a good lesson in hard work, you know, (laughs) cleaning their stalls and whatnot. Yeah. And you went to Stanford university and studied sustainable food systems and egg. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I actually felt very lucky because I was in the first class to graduate with that um, concentration of sustainable food systems and agriculture. It's kind of a new thing for people to study, isn't it? OSU just added that in the food science department as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely still developing um, even at Stanford, but they, they have this great farm on campus. And so even, you know, freshman year, I found myself there just wanting to hang out and volunteer and run the pizza parties that they have at their, um, cob oven. And so, uh, I was also just attracted to a lot of the agriculture related classes that they offered on campus. So eventually it all added up to that, you know, concentration. And, um, I started dreaming about one day starting, uh, an educational community farm. But that's not where your education ended. Tell us where you got your MBA. (laughs) I um, just graduated from Yale um, back in May with my MBA. Nice. (laughs) That's pretty freaking amazing, actually, that we have a Yale graduate on our podcast. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So cool. You might be the first Yale graduate on our podcast, actually. (laughs) Thank you. I I felt like a, a fish out of water over there, I have to admit. Um, but I, I feel like I, you know, learned a lot, especially about how to start an organization. So I, I'm very glad that I went through that program, um, before launching into this Thimbleberry adventure. Sarah, do you have a question for, uh, Amanda? Well, I just wanted to hear about the other people that are involved in Thimbleberry. Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about my team. They are awesome. I'm so blessed um, to be able to work with them. Um, It was really cool the way it all just happened organically too. Um, It was two summers ago. uh, I just kind of put the word out there um, through the Portland Farm and Garden Educators Network email list and a few other channels and also just 
by tabling at farmers markets that I was interested in starting this farm. And I got a bunch of interest. And um, eventually there were about 15 um, people who wanted to work together to start this farm. And we split ourselves up into different working groups. Like one was working on putting a business plan together. One was working on our marketing and communications. Um, another was working on curriculum development and then fundraising uh, and development Development was another. And so it was like that for a long time. And a lot of those um, committee member volunteers are still around helping. Um, but eventually we were able to start paying at least a few of us. So um, now we have five people um, on payroll and it's myself. And then Drew is our farm operations manager. He has eight years of organic farming experience. He's awesome. Um, Michelle is our development manager. Um, and she is just a rock star um, at finding different grants and, you know, learning as she goes um, how to find different fundraising opportunities. And then Lexi uh, is our education programs manager, and they have this really cool background um, in cooking education. They are doing a great job of putting together our field trips and our workshops uh, out at the farm. And then um, we have a social media intern, Cynthia, who, who joined us last August. So I could talk all day about the team, but um, those are the staff members. And then we have a fantastic board and committee as well. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break and um, then we can come back and talk more about your farming practices. Okay. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. I know that you're producing foods on the farm, and it's about a half acre. Can you tell us, how did you produce a thousand pounds of food that you donated last year? Yeah, absolutely. We um, mainly try to use regenerative uh, farming practices, but um, just getting started last year, the soil needed a lot of help um, in order to be able to produce anything. So um, we did use some um, some additives like some organic, um, you know, blood meal, feather meal, things like that to get going. So we say we use organic practices and regenerative practices whenever we can. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if you were to come out to our site, you would see drip irrigation lines, um, you would see a compost pile, um, you would see um, a couple of different experimental um, growing practices happening. Like um, just this past weekend, actually, we, we started our deep mulch uh, beds, which are going to help us to start growing earlier in the season this year um, so that we don't have to wait until mid-June to till and then, um, you know, start growing. We can actually just um, plant directly into the this deep mulch bed that we created over the weekend. So we have our, our kind of row crop area where we're growing the majority of our produce, like the, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, about 12,000 pounds or 1,200 pounds uh, that we donated last year. And then we also have our learning garden which is also producing food, but it's more for, you know, learning purposes um, with our field trips and workshops. So can people just come there and visit or do they have, do they have to like call ahead or 
What? Tell us how do you get, where is this farm? <laughs> Great question. Um, we are not quite open to the public at all times yet, although okay. eventually we would like to, you know, have um, greater access like that. Um, we're, we're still working through our permitting process. Unfortunately, folks will have to wait um, to visit our, our five acre farm um, until this summer when we have our um, permits all set and ready. So um, once that happens, folks can check out our Instagram page or our website uh, to find out when we're having workshops and open farm days, volunteer days, things like that. Well, and generally when we have um, farmers or people that are growing food come on, usually they're growing it to sell it, you know, at a farmer's market or at a farm stand. But your um, business and practice is set up different for now where you're donating that food that you grow. Do you have plans to, once you have the bigger farm, to sell produce as well, or are you just always going to grow it and donate it? Good question. We are still kind of talking about that. We mm -hmm. um, we know what we're doing for, for this year, and um, and that is to, to continue donating and hopefully to set up this CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture um, Program, with a um, medical provider in East Multnomah County um, so that our produce is going to their patients um, for low to no cost. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, families that are coming from lower income backgrounds and, you know, sometimes patients who are um, living with chronic illnesses and who might need certain nutritional um, needs. And so, uh, we're we're working that out with the medical provider right now, um, and it's nice that you know that will be low to no cost for the patient since the um, the medical provider has a grant um, that can can cover those costs. So it's it's kind of still produce donations, just in a different form. But we really like the direct to you know consumer method. Um, we we do think there is room for for selling our our produce um, in. Uh, kind of more traditional methods too, though, down the line, especially if we can figure out the permitting to have a farm stand right on site. We think that would be an awesome way to just draw um, people in and, you know, show them what we have going on at the farm, raise awareness about our education programs, things like that. So I would say there will be uh, quite a few different produce distribution methods from Thimbleberry over the years. <laughs> so I... I noticed on your website that it says that you're a nonprofit organization and that you're sort of getting funding from grants and donations and things like that. Um, but, and you were just talking about alternative revenue streams. So if somebody was going to try doing this, would you, is that what you would recommend? Is that how you would recommend starting through grants and donations? I would, yeah. I I do recommend the nonprofit educational farm model. Um, I have so much respect for the for-profit farmers out there that are just grinding away, you know, making ends meet um, to you know make a living off of selling their produce, um, and that is a completely respectable you know route to take. Uh, this is just a different route, and um, I think it it can serve similar and different you know purposes. Um, fortunately, the grants and donations give us more uh, flexibility to um, you know have the educational programs and offer them on a sliding scale fee system. 
um, and also to do more produce donations, things like that. And it's quite a bit of work to, you know, get the nonprofit status and to uh, find your donors and um, apply for the grants. It's um, it's definitely a, a lot of work. Um, and, you know, some people want to do that. Um, some people don't. I would say if you do want to go the nonprofit route, you need a team. <laughs> There's no way you know, I or anyone else on our team could be doing this by ourselves. Um, so if, you know, if folks out there are thinking about starting something like this, that's very community focused and, um, you know, is, nonprofit oriented, find your team. <laughs> is there a shared use kitchen on the Headwaters farm? Not that I know of. Mm -mm, okay. I don't think so. Because um, since you're growing your own produce, you can use the pickle bill and you can produce products and package them mm. did you know that without a licensed kitchen you just oh. have to say made in a non-licensed kitchen is that the same thing as like a, a cottage um kind of like kind the of cottage thing? yeah it's different though is you it don't, different? You don't, different yeah because with the cottage license you have to get that license but if yeah, you're there's okay. no license no. needed yeah okay so just google yeah. oregon pickle bill and it'll tell you all about it Thanks for letting yeah. me know about that. Yeah, we would be interested in uh, in pickling <laughs> and um, jamming and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, so that'll be great. I, I would love to hear more about the educational program and what kinds of things that you're planning on offering or already offer for people. Absolutely. So our main two educational programs so far are workshops and field trips. Um, our workshops are open to anyone, although they tend to work really well for families um, with kids. And um, they are focused on growing and cooking with seasonal produce, um, as well as uh, kind of introducing folks to issues related to the food system, uh, whether they're social, environmental, or health-related um, food systems issues. Uh, so last summer, you know, we had a pickling workshop, actually. Um, we had a workshop all about herbs, and that was a collaborative one with um, another Headwaters farmer, Laura, from Rise Up Remedies. Um, we had a family fall farm day, something like that, uh, with pumpkin carving and seed saving and uh, lots of fun things. Um, and we'll have plenty more uh, going forward this year. Some will be collaborative with other organizations and some will just be Thimbleberry hosted. Um, and then our field trips are with uh, classes from Gresham Barlow School District and Reynolds School District. And we're open to, you know, partnering with other school districts as well. Um, but so far it's been, um, middle schoolers and high schoolers that have come out and we really like working with that age group, um, because a lot of garden education tends to focus on elementary school students, which is awesome. Um, and we think that it's great for students to, you know, be able to maintain access to gardens and garden education as they get older. Um, so similarly, you know, field trips are focusing on, um, growing and cooking with seasonal produce and, uh, and talking about, um, food systems issues. So that's been a lot of fun. And that's something that will, will continue, um, uh, moving forward. And then down the line, we're talking about, uh, summer camps and this year, actually we're starting, um, internships. So we're looking for an education intern and a farm intern right now. Yeah, I saw that. Have you had any applications yet? 
We have, yeah. We've had a few applications uh, for both positions already. Um, we just posted it last week, so we're excited to to see uh, quite a bit of interest already. And people can find those applications on your website? They can. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Perfect. And yeah, we met um, originally, uh, Sarah and I were at an event that was, we were talking with schools and hospitals and all those things. And, and you all were there to talk about your farm. So I'm so glad that we crossed paths. And you mentioned maybe um, collaborating with teaching some classes to kids, which is what I love to do. So hopefully I stay connected with you and come out to the farm, either this one you have now or the future farm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yes, more than welcome. We will have programs starting back up at the current plot at Headwaters um, in April and go. we'll go all the way through the end of July there. So keep an eye Perfect. on that. Well, I, love the, I love the way that your model is set up and I think that it's really nice. Like there's um, everything benefits the community, which is so wonderful. Um, and I'm glad that you figured out a way to start it up and fund it and, um, and help the community in so many different ways. It's so cool. Thank you. We're really excited about it. it this is one of Sarah's questions, but I'm going to steal it. Um, can you tell us which one of your programs best tells your story for the collaboration? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. Well, I think the field trips are are pretty exemplary of our, you know, our collaborative uh, efforts and and goals. Um, it you know it has been a, a wonderful process getting to know different teachers um, in the uh, Gresham area, and then those teachers have connected us with their their districts um, so that we can get our MOUs um, set up and signed. Um, and then, you know, it's always a, just a chain of events trying to, um, to figure out all the logistics for, for each field trip. And then, um, if, if one teacher and group of students has a good time, then they tell, uh, more teachers and more students about it. And, and then more, you know, fun things come out of it. Like, for example, um, a, a Gresham Barlow School District representative who we've worked with quite a bit, Liz Mackey, she's awesome, um, was excited about our, our farm and the first, you know, couple of field trips that we had. And um, she said that she thought a construction class um, out in East County might be interested in helping us to build a, a chicken coop on wheels. Um, so it's looking like this high school construction class will be able to help build us a, a chicken coop on wheels um, by this summer. And that will be an incredible contribution to the farm and also a great learning opportunity for the students to learn, you know, how to design this and build it. Um, and then they'll have That's the so fun. opportunity to meet their chickens. <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's another farm in town called Zanger Farms, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're currently looking for a director. Did you know that? I did see that uh, program. Director. I wonder if that would be an opportunity for you all to collaborate with them. We talked to Zanger uh, quite a bit. We know a few folks over there. They're awesome. Um, of mm -hmm. course, they're, you know, a wonderful model for us because we aspire to be very, you know, similar to, to them, just serving a different community. Um, and yeah, absolutely. We, we chat with them, um, you know, every a few kitchen. months or so. They do. Yeah. 
And yeah, they do a lot of cool stuff too. I mean, that's actually Nikki. We were talking about her. She's on the, um, at the same farm, but that's where she learned how to farm. So I, I think there's like so many different awesome models of yeah. mm-hmm. ways to run um, nonprofit farms. And I think yeah. we're really lucky in this community to have multiple different ones. And I'm glad that you guys can work so, together simultaneously and help each other out because I think we need them everywhere. I mean, I think so you s- yeah. And you said you have a different target than Zenger Farms. Who is your primary audience? Um, our primary audience is um, the the Gresham community and surrounding communities. Okay. Um, so, and and when you talk about schools, you know, Zanger uh, works, I think, exclusively with the David Douglas School District. They have okay. this really cool program where they they have every single fifth grader from the David Dub- Douglas School District come out um, okay. multiple times in a year. We are. Um, targeting, you know, working with students in the Gresham Barlow School District and Reynolds School District and maybe eventually Centennial. Okay. Um, So one of the things that you may know is that the um, U.S. is focusing on development of food programs in rural communities Mm -hmm. and that there are a lot of food hubs that are being created um, to have food systems reach out into rural communities. But I think that even cities have places where we have a lack of food and training and education and how our products are grown. And would you say that that's really part of what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, I have a particular interest in working with high school students, maybe even college students, because I think there's such an opportunity for older students who are thinking about their future career paths to, you know, be exposed to um, food systems related work, whether that is actual farming or, um, you know, food production or distribution or um, maybe food, um, food justice law or food entrepreneurial uh, Mm -hmm. work, you know, there are just so many avenues. um, And and, uh, you mentioned, you know, food hubs, I think they're there are some conversations brewing out in East Multnomah County about putting something together like that. And we would love to be part of it. Um, That's great. Yeah. I think there's, there's so much opportunity to inspire um, young folks to, to do something in the the food and farming world. Um, everyone knows, you know, our, our food system could sure use the help <laughs> with um, yes, getting it back on track. True. Well, and we, you, it sounds like you have some opportunity for people to help if they want to. Do you have a volunteer day coming up? Oh, good question. We we just had a volunteer day uh, over the weekend on Saturday. So um, we we haven't set a date for our next one yet, but we'll, we'll likely have one once a month. So um, I would say look out for, for one in April, maybe mid-April. Um, although I should say um, we are fortunate enough to be the beneficiaries of the Gresham Lilac Run this year. Uh, That's a a run walk event um, happening April 22nd. And um, there are a few spots left for all the runners out there if they're interested in um, going out to um, get some exercise and and support Thimbleberry Collaborative Farm. Uh, Or you could just stop by our booth and say hi, and uh, we'll be out there chatting with the community. So that's one of our events coming up. Can you tell us... um for our listeners about your, um, how we might be helpful to you, like how can 
the listeners help you with your collaboration in the farm? Sure. Well, you know, outside of structured volunteer days, we could use support, um, you know, if folks are interested in joining our committee, our committee members are still working hard to um, fundraise and to uh, develop our curriculum and um, work on our marketing and communications. Um, Something we would really love is some bookkeeping help. (laughs) Um, And so that's always an opportunity. We would also love help with them. you know, getting the word out about our board member positions. Um, we're, we're always looking to expand our, our board. Um, and yeah, we we'll just, you know, continue to make uh, connections in the community. Recently, we've been going to visit various farms um, in the area. We love to just see, you know, how others are, are growing their food and um, farmers are always just fun people to talk to and, and learn from. So uh, whether it's, you know, a farmer connection or uh, somebody who's really actively involved in East Multnomah County who might be interested in a board position or a teacher who, you know, is in uh, East County who might want to um, bring their students out to a field trip. We, we just love meeting people and, and um, growing those connections in the community. Perfect. And do you have any advice for um, people that are dreaming up a business? We have lots of aspiring entrepreneurs listening. Any advice for them? I would say just start talking to people as soon as you can. If you're like me and you have have that hesitation to send that cold email or make that cold call, that's totally normal. But you likely won't get very far without talking to people. I probably spent I don't even know, two or 300 hours at the beginning of this thing, just contacting people, setting up calls, having those calls, um, learning from from folks um, in the community, seeing where there was um, opportunity. Um, part of that actually is uh, doing kind of a more formal like um, customer research and, and market research sort of process and um, reach out. If you want to talk about that, I have you know, thoughts and ideas for you. But um, yeah, just just get out there into the community and um, talk to people because that will take you a lot farther than just trying to do research uh, on your computer in your house. <laughs> so they can reach out to you by DMing you on your Instagram or emailing you from your website? Yes, um, either of those options will work. Um, our contact page uh, on our website it will work, but um, my personal email is amanda at thimbleberrycollaborativefarm.org. You're welcome to reach out. That's Perfect. Nice of you. Well, Amanda, I really appreciate your time today. I love what you're doing for our community. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for creating Super this nice. awesome opportunity, this great um, resource for our community. And thanks for joining us today. It was lovely to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for having me. We record Masonian Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Masonian Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.